What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You know, that solitary gave me a chance to really sort of organize my, um, my life, you know. Um, I first, like, when I was there and I just looked in the mirror and I was like, why are you here? What, what is it that, you know, a lot of your friends are graduating college right now going to start their life, and I am in federal prison in solitary confinement uh, with seven years to go. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 157. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Welcome, welcome, veggie lovers. Oh my gosh, this episode is so good. I love this guest so much. We had a fabulous time. I just love his candor. It's fascinated by his personality and how he's lived his life. My guest today is Juan Carlos Ace, who has produced three award-winning documentaries. They're entitled Unsupersize Me, Unsupersize Us, Unsupersize Me in Cuba, about how you can drastically improve your health with whole foods, plant-based diet combined with exercise. He also owns Zen Fitness, a personal training studio in Gainesville, Florida, where he teaches clients to follow a plant-based diet exercise regime. Juan Carlos has written a recipe book, a kitchen starter guide and a crash course on how to implement a plant-based diet and exercise program into your life. His hobbies are traveling, language study, tennis, music, and kickboxing. And I found him because I happened upon a couple of his documentaries. I haven't watched the last one, but I'll make sure that I put it on my list for this weekend. Before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that the information on this podcast is for information on educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace care evaluation and treatment. If you have concerns about you or your child's eating, nutrition, or growth, please consult a doctor. This episode is just really great. What a fascinating story. You're going to learn the power of mindset, the power of dedication, the power of resourcefulness. Oh, so many gems, so many nuggets. You are going to love it, but I'm just going to let you listen for yourself and tell me what you think. So without further ado, here is the interview between myself and Juan Carlos Ace. Enjoy.
Juan Carlos Ace, welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I found you one Sunday afternoon as I was just browsing through documentaries. I was like, oh, I don't know what I want to do right now. And I found your two documentaries, Unsupersize Me and Unsupersize Us. And the description piqued my interest and I ended up watching both of them. And that's how I learned about you. So this is so cool. I, I love how things like that can bring us to new people. And I, I'm just really grateful that you took the time to come on my show. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Well, I, I listened to some uh, episodes of your show and you have a great show and I'm, I'm happy to be on it. I'm honored thank to be you. here. Thank you. Well, I want to start you know, I definitely want to talk about your documentaries, but I want to start from the beginning because I found your story to be super intriguing. And I think that there's a lot from your life, lots of lessons learned that will benefit my audience. But I think there's something that was interesting that you talked about in the first documentary was your mother's influence on your nutrition. So tell me what was nutrition like for you when you were growing up? And the other thing I'm curious about because you kind of mentioned this a little bit was mindfulness whether she taught you about mindfulness as you were growing up in regards to your food and your eating yeah she did so my mom was definitely the most important person for me um where i am today with nutrition and, and really everything i've done stemmed from her um she really taught me to be aware of how food made me feel how um, how I was affected. So if I went to another kid's house and I ate McDonald's or some candy or something, she would always say, how does that make you feel? Um, so I started to become aware of when I did have fast food um, or junk food that I did not feel good. Um, I also was into sports. And so um, I was aware that she was like, you want to eat fuel that's going to help you perform the best, um, whether it's in sports or in school or whatever. Um, so I started to really be interested in that. Now, having said that, I did not grow up in a plant-based household. Um, we did have meat, but we did also eat a lot of uh, vegetables, salads every night. Um, so then it just put me on the path to start searching. So I started with a lot of mainstream nutrition. Um, I did the whole protein dairy thing, um, you know, the powders, I choked down all those powders. Um, but it eventually, it put me on the path to when I finally came across plant-based, I was like, this all makes sense. Now all these questions I had about why is some amount of protein good, but meat's bad for you, but yet, you know, lean, lean meats are okay, and, you know, milk's good for you, but it's bad for you, eggs good for you, and I, it just didn't make sense to me. So yeah. finally, when I came across plant-based, like a light bulb went off and I was like, this is what, this is the truth. This is what I've been looking for. Um, and I've never looked back since. That's so awesome. And you excelled at sports when you were younger. What sports did you play? Um, I did, you know, I, I did a little bit of everything, um, but I really excelled at tennis. Um, that's what I ended up playing in college. Um, but I, I love to play. I played basketball, football, soccer. I did track and field. Um, track and field was my really like my first sport where I did a lot of uh, competition. Um, and so that's where sort of like eating became an important thing. You know, what you would eat before a race, 
um, what you would eat, you know, training wise. Uh, so I just started really looking into it really when I started in track and field. And did you, at that young age, were you able to feel differences in how you fueled your body or see differences in your performance? Absolutely. I definitely noticed a difference. I mean, like one thing I knew for sure is that if I ate sweets or junk food or like fast food, that I really felt it slow me down. I felt myself getting cramps. Um, I knew that I did not perform well uh, on meat or or like anything like um, like hamburgers, any you know junk food, anything that that was bad. I was aware of that, so I would usually steer towards like you know salad and and green beans and broccoli and and uh, spaghetti was a big thing before the races at the time that was supposed to be the you know carb loading was what yeah <laughs> so i don't quite do it like that anymore but um it was it was it was a start it's so funny because i have a 16 year old and he is in track right now and he's an athlete and one of his coaches was telling him about carb loading and I was like, babe, you're, you're already carb loaded. You're a whole food plant-based vegan. Your, your diet is like 75% carbohydrates. You are carb loaded. You live carb loaded. <laughs> so it's like trying to explain to him what that meant and having the glycogen in your muscles and all of that was really interesting. Oh, he's okay, already- so, Yeah, he, he's doing great. I mean, he, last year they didn't get to compete, you know? And so he didn't get to make the gains but this year, every single meet he's had a PR in, and he has wow. become more interested in his diet and how he can manipulate his diet to help his performance. And it's because you know he sees he sees the relationship of okay, what I eat really does help me. I can shave a few seconds off every time I'm shaving a few seconds off. Um, and so I think that's for some teens that can really be important to them. That could be a gateway into this long, healthy lifestyle for for decades to come, even after they're done competing in sports, you know? Absolutely. That's why I love Game Changer so much. It was so good. I yes. really saw that film change a lot of people's mind, especially a lot of athletes. Um, they yes, did a great job exactly. with that. I that yeah, I love that documentary as well. Okay, so it sounds like you had a great childhood. You had a bright future ahead of you. You went off to college. What were you planning to do for a career? after you got out of college? Um, you know, I, I really didn't know, like going into college, I was thinking, well, I'm gonna be a pro tennis player. Um, I didn't really think too far ahead of that. <laughs> um, but then when I got there, uh, I guess I was thinking, you know, I honestly did not know what I was gonna do. I was thinking something in, in, in the business world, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. I had no idea that you could um, make money um, in the health field with exercise and nutrition, because I really loved that. Yeah. So, um, I honestly, I did not know the answer to what I was going to do. I, I, I had no idea. Yeah. And then you got into some trouble. Tell me how that happened. Well, um, I, so my mom also, uh, taught me to be an entrepreneur when I was young. Um, she, uh, when I told her I wanted a GI Joe, um, I think we we're in like Kmart or, or pick and save or somewhere like that. And she was like, well, Carly, you're going to have to earn the money for that. And I was like, well, how do I earn money? And she said, you're going to, why don't you go sell jade plants? So she helped me pot all these little jade plants and I put them <laughs> on my red wagon and I went around the neighborhood and I sold jade plants for like 50 cents. 
And, you know, I got enough money for the GI Joe, but right then and there I learned, you know, how sort of like, you know, some people are like these huge spenders or consumers all the time. They don't ever really learn that way of thinking. So that really, I started teaching tennis um, when I was in high school and saving money. And uh, I then when I got to college, um, I had never drank or, or done drugs or anything. And I tried ecstasy when we went out, we went out for like New Year's or something. And they were $25 for a pill. And I was like, man, there's gotta be a cheaper way. We had a great time and I was like, there's gotta be a cheaper way to, to do this. So I started asking around and, and I said, well, they said, if you buy, you know, 50 of them, you can get them for $19. And so I was like, well, let me do that. So at least I won't, you know, we can all do it and, and have fun and not uh, be broke. And, uh, and then I, I started making so much money doing that. It just really like catapulted before I knew what I was doing. It was like, you know, I was selling thousands of pills, uh, thousands of dollars. And I was thrown into this world that I, I had no idea, you know, how I got there. It just happened so quickly. And then I, I just had all this money and I was like, it was just like all this stuff thrown at me at once. Then I was, I was so far entrenched in it. And I told myself, I was like, well, you're not gonna get caught, but if you do get caught, you know, this is your first time, you've never been in trouble, they're probably just gonna let you go on probation or something like that. And I saw that happen to a bunch of kids in college. They usually didn't throw the book too hard of kids that were in school. And then next thing I know, I have a federal indictment and they're charging me with 88,000 pills and they're saying they're gonna put me away for First I was like, how many months? And they were like years, like 20 years. And it was just surreal. It was surreal. So by the time we actually got to my sentence, I was actually happy to get seven years and three months. Um, it was, uh, you know, I just, I had no idea what the consequences were to what I was doing. I had no idea. Wow. Wow, and that really snowballed out of control very quickly, it sounds like. Very quickly, very quickly. And, and you know what? You're there and there's just nothing you can do. That was really the scariest part is not being in control of your fate and not knowing what's gonna happen and, and how all these other people are sitting there deciding what's gonna happen with your life. Um, so I just said, I was like, all right, if I can just, the time I was 22, I was like, if I can just get out before I'm 30, I'll have like, you know, still like I'll have some like chance at my life. Um, and so when I got to seven years, I was like, okay, I think I'm gonna get out when I'm 28 or 29. And, uh, and I just made up my mind when I went, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do everything I can to make use of this time, do things that I would never have been able to do otherwise. Yeah. And, and I did as soon as I went and that's, that, that was what I set out to do and I, and I spent every day. Wow, what a positive mindset to be able to shift. But take me back because it just seems like it's it happened so innocently. I mean, you were this college kid, you weren't hadn't done drugs or drank and and part of it was like, you know, I want to help everybody save money too, you know? We can all get this cheaper. It started like so innocently. And and it just you just got sunk deeper and deeper. Do you have any advice for kids that might end up like this? You know, cuz you're you're a good kid. And I know both of my kids are good kids and mistakes yep. can happen and you get in over your head and then it's like, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Any any advice that you would have for young people? Um, the main thing, well, first of all, uh, there are no shortcuts. 
you know, I was trying to take a shortcut and I was thinking, well, you know, if I can get by with this, I'll have this money saved and I can start a business or do whatever I want. And that was something my dad always said to me, just said, Carly, there's no shortcuts in life. Um, and that was really, it was a hard lesson to learn, but I definitely learned that lesson there. Um, you just have to be aware that there are consequences that you can, mistakes of what you can make when you're young and they can affect you later on in your life, you know, for a very long time for, in my case, you know, seven years. Um, so you just have to really think about what you're doing. I mean, cause I knew, I knew what I was doing could get me in trouble. I didn't know in what, what volume of trouble I was facing, like the size of it. But, um, I did know that what I was doing wasn't right in my heart. And I could have gone in and said, you know what? I need to look into what I'm doing here and see what the consequences are. And I never did that. Um, so I think knowing what the consequences of what you're doing is, are, are very important. Know the consequences. And don't downplay the consequences too, probably. Cause there's don't probably downplay. part of your, there's probably part of your brain. That's like, don't think about that. We're, we're fine. <laughs> it's going to be fine. <laughs> there are plenty of times where I suspected well, I mean, the police, obviously the feds were watching us, the DEA, and there was plenty of times where I, I, I knew something was going off on my brain, just things would happen. And I just knew I was like, you know what, you need to stop this right now. Um, but you always, I always came up with some, you know, oh, that's nothing, you know, don't worry about that. I'm just, I'm just worrying too much. Um, but I knew that there were, there were definitely signs that, that things were, we were about to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And uh, you just, I, I ignored them. You know, because I didn't want to see him. Yeah. Yeah. And that can happen in lots of different phases of our life or lots of different situations, even when it comes to the way that we're treating our bodies, you know, with our lifestyle choices, too. A lot of times we just want to ignore those things and pretend like it's not happening. Absolutely. I, I see that all the time um, when people come in my gym or, or actually usually by the time they come in, they're ready for like, hey, you know, I need help. I'm ready to change. But um, people that I socialize with and I see and they're like, oh, you know, I'm fine. You know, I'll, you know, I, I don't need to worry about anything. Nothing's really happened to me yet. Um, and it can happen just like that. Boom. And you have a health issue for life. You know, something you yeah. could have prevented because yeah. most of the things that you see ha that happen to people could be can be prevented, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so absolutely. I see people doing that all the time with their health saying, oh, I'll worry about this another time. I don't have time for this right now. It's too expensive. Uh, who has time to work out all the time? I don't want to work out all the time. You know, whatever it is, people will find a reason to not change and not listen to that voice in their head that they yes. know is right. Yeah. And, and it's that motivational triad. You know, we want to conserve energy, seek pleasure. You know, we want to avoid pain. You know, that motivational triad keeps us a lot of times in situations that probably are not in our best interests. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So one thing that a lot of people don't know is that my mother and my first stepfather actually worked for the prison system. So I grew up in Texas and oh, I grew wow. up in a town called Huntsville, actually. Oh, Huntsville, okay. <laughs> yeah. So there's eight prisons there and I grew up actually living on state property where the inmates would mow our lawns and do the repairs on our house and everything. So I was surrounded by prisons. Um, and you know, I hear it's pretty rough. So 
Can you tell me a little bit, was like it, was it a big shock to your system or was it better than you thought it was going to be? And is it true that you were in solitary confinement for six months? Yes, it is true. Um, so I'll, I'll start, I'll, I'll go to the beginning part of that question. Um, so in the beginning, you start in, in the county jail, which is like a dungeon and it is horrible. Um, you I mean, like no daylight, uh, just you're in this cage 24 seven. Um, so then I started to hear that, well, once you get to the prison, you can play guitar, you can play, you know, all these sports, you can take classes. And so that was really like my hope at that point. Like I was like, if I can just get there, I just need to get there and then things will be better. So by the time that I actually got to prison, which was, uh, I want to say, yeah, it took like nine months for me to get there. Um, wow. to get sentenced and, and moved and everything. I was in the county jail six and a half months. And then it, I was in the transfer center in Tallahassee. And then I finally got to the prison and it was much better than what you would have told me if before I ever got there, if I was, I was happy. Like there was a lot of stuff to do. Um, I, I could go work out outside. We could play sports. I could, I know I was starting to learn Spanish. Um, uh, learn anything you want to learn. So I just had all this time to do whatever I wanted to do. Now, having said that, prison can be very dangerous. There are um, gangs there. Um, there's there's uh, people that are, are generally unhappy um, and are, are unstable. Um, but there are also a lot of normal people that just made a mistake. So I found that people that are, if you're just respectful, to people in general, um, that you can avoid most most of the problems that a lot of people get into um, just from not being a respectful person. Um, and I, so I solitary. I was in solitary. That was probably the scariest uh, time, without question, of my whole um, prison experience. So I went there because, and I didn't really know why I was going there. They called the lieutenant, called me up, and said. Um, take him to the shoe. So I, I went into the shoe, which is the um, solitary housing unit. And um, I didn't know why I was there for two weeks. So my mind was just running. I was thinking, well, are they charging me with something else? I mean, I just didn't know. I had no idea. So your mind is going crazy. And um, finally, they said, your co-defendant is here and the prosecutor doesn't want you to be with him. So my co-defendant, who was one of my best friends, uh, Brent was there and, and we were, you know, hanging out together, studying together, playing sports together. But the prosecutor decided that he didn't want us to be together. So since Brent was there first, I had to go to solitary. And, um, and it took them six and a half months for them to move me to Arkansas. So I went from Georgia to Arkansas. Now I'm from Florida. So it was pretty far where I was going. Um, but it was, I really, I realized that it was, you know, it was because I had tried to take a shortcut. It was, it was, it was from not doing things the right way when I knew how to do things right, the right way. 
So that's when I made a vow that I'm gonna do things the right way from here on out. Um, so I started every hour in solitary, I had something set up for myself. I would do yoga for an hour, I would meditate for an hour, I would study Spanish for an hour, I'd write letters for an hour, I'd read for an hour, I'd stretch for an hour, work out for an hour. Um, I had everything set up so I was constantly keeping my mind engaged. Um, so by the time that I actually got to prison, I continued to do that. And I always had something new on my schedule that I was gonna learn. Um, so it, whether it was, it was, you know, maybe a new language or it was business or it was nutrition, exercise, um, especially with nutrition and exercise, that later on became my focus and, and specialty. Um, I really tested my body. Like I, I, I worked out I, at one point up to five times in a day. So I learned like, okay, this is too much. You know, that's where I honed the unsupersizing program um, that an hour of cardio, an hour of, of uh, uh, resistance exercise is really the best for maximizing your health. Um, and then I started studying nutrition, reading every book I could find. And it took me really until towards the end of my sentence to discover plant-based. Um, but I, that's, that's how I discovered it. I just kept reading and searching and looking and then testing my exercise on myself. Um, and then people would come up and say, hey, I wanna work out with you. And I would just say, uh, okay, you know, uh, what they call getting in your car, you know, in prison, it's like who, what car are you in? What workout car are you in? That's like your workout group basically. So, um, you know, you had like four or five guys in your car and then new guys, when they'd come in, you know, you'd really put, give them the hard smash workout and see if they could handle it and if they were gonna stay in. Um, so sometimes they made it, sometimes they didn't. Uh, but I really, that's where I really learned to train people. And I learned like, okay, these exercises don't work. This is too hard for this age group. Um, you know, these people are having great results doing X, Y, Z. Um, so it's really like I honed everything that I now use in my career during that time. Um, and, I, and I tell people that I would never take back what happened to me going to prison because it really, uh, I learned all, so many important life lessons there. And a lot of people think, oh, he doesn't really mean that. But um, I really do mean that. It, it was really the most um, profound learning experience of my life. And it set me on tra trajectory of where I am now. And to be honest with you, like, it's really hard for me to be stressed out about anything um, because I just, I've never faced anything like that since, you know, there's nothing that I've come across in life now that was that kind of volume of just pressure and fear. Um, so now it's like everything is just, I really, I really enjoy most everything I come across in life now after that. After, and, and I, you know, I, I enjoyed a lot of thing in prison too. I had a lot of great experiences there, some great friends that I still keep in touch with. Um, so it really, it just, it, you know, it changed my life um, for the better. It was a decision that I made to do, but um, anyone could really do it that wanted to do it. And now for a very important message. Hey, veggie lover, if you are looking for free resources to guide you on your plant-based and healthy living journey, go to dryami.com forward slash free for tons of free downloadable PDFs. Hundreds of people have taken advantage of my tips to help them reduce meat and dairy consumption, navigate eating out, and build satisfying plant-based meals. Download one or download them all, and don't forget to share with friends and family. 
dryami.com forward slash free. And now back to the episode. I, I'm just super impressed because I feel like, and this is like a weird thing to think and say, but if there's gonna be a personality type that is going to thrive and come out better after prison, it's gonna be your personality type. I mean, you're so disciplined, you're like your mindset is, I just feel like if that happened to me and I was in prison, I literally, I think I would go the opposite direction. Like, I feel like I would just be like listless and hopeless and just like lay around and do as little as possible and just be, feel sorry for myself all the time. But you took it the opposite. You were in solitary confinement for six months. That seems like not ethical to me that that happened, but whatever, <laughs> I guess they did it. They decided they were gonna do it. But anyway, so you solitary for confinement for six months and you chose to put yourself on a regimen of greatness. I mean, I think that's impressive. I mean, seriously, that is very, very impressive. And probably the majority, 99.9% .9 of people would not do that, you know? So very, very impressed by that. Thank Tell you. Me I, you know, I, I, think, I think that you would have, you would have been able to, to make that change. Now, I'm not gonna say that I went through a stage where I was like depressed and down and, and, and a rock bottom there, but eventually, you know, you got to snap out of that, you know, it, that's a normal feeling to happen, but I think you would have got past it. And then you see like, Hey, I have the opportunity to do anything I want to do. Anything you want to do. You have all this time that now people are so busy and, and no one has time to do anything, you know, yeah. like to, you know, learn a language, learn, learn an instrument, um, do something fun and, and, and exciting and different. Um, but you see, like, I can do any of that. I'm, yeah, I'm in this controlled, you know, environment, but, but you can do anything you want with your mind. Yeah. I mean, that's super cool. I mean, it's a mindset thing though, right? Because Absolutely. really Absolutely. when it comes to, you had a lot of your control, you had a lot of your, uh, free will taken away from you. But a, a lot of that is mindset too, because what you're saying is the ultimate amazing thing that we have is our minds and you still had your mind you still had full control over your mind so if you have your mind you you have the ability to use it it's limitless so you were able to take that little switch and be like actually this, in some ways this might be a good deal and you became like the prison personal trainer you know and you got to hone <laughs> your skills <laughs> some ways that's pretty cool <laughs> You know, it was, you know, there's been, I'll, I'll be honest with you. There's been times where I have missed it. I, I, not like I want to be back in prison, but I missed that, that time and focus that I was able to have in there. Um, because you know, it, when else are you going to be able to learn, learn four or five times, you know, you have learned four or five subjects at a time and you know do yoga and do you know do exercise and, and play in a band i mean i was doing so many things that were so cool um and and that was my entire focus that was my entire focus was just on bettering myself so there were times there are times when i was like you know what those are really good times i i i would like to do that that lifestyle again sometime well maybe we should like create some sort of prison-like experience that's not really prison and because i could see how stress out moms in particular might enjoy solitary confinement for a week or so 
<laughs> like somewhere where my kids can't find me and nobody's asking me to pay any bills, send me there. <laughs> you know, I, I read that they were actually doing that. I think it was in like um, Korea or something that you would pay money and they would and they would take all your, you know, your phone, everything from you and be in solitary for a week. <laughs> That's funny. We're getting to that point. Okay. So tell me how, how the the book and the literature stuff works. And how did you find, um, I had seen on the documentary that you read the China study while you were in prison. Like, how did you find that book? Is there like a library or um, how, how did you come upon, what was your path in nutrition that finally led you to the plant-based information? Okay, that's, that's a great question. So um, I was, there. there is a prison library, but really um, you can have books sent into you. So all, everything I wanted to learn, I would just tell my family, hey, I want to learn um, French. I want to learn German. And they would send me these books um, of, you know, whatever it was that I was interested in at the time. So, uh, okay, what, where was I going with that? I was just, I was just about to, I started thinking about uh, all my language books. Turning, oh, oh, the learning nutrition. Okay. So I started getting this, this um, rash on my neck. And I couldn't figure out what it was. Um, it was like it, 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 it itched so bad. And so I went into the, to the prison doctor and they're like, oh, you're going to have to put this steroid cream on. Um, and I was like, okay, well, how long do I do that for? And they said, well, for the rest of your life, it's an autoimmune response. And I just did not accept that. I just did not accept it because I was, you know, I was young. I was quote unquote healthy, I thought. You know, I was, I was eating tons of dairy. And, you know, protein, tuna, um, mackerel, mackerel and tuna are like, actually, they're actually money in prison. A lot of people don't know that, but it's like a dollar for each one. That's like your, your currency. That's wow. how important protein is. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's money. It's money there. <laughs> so um, I, was, I, was, I was like, I, I, I have to find why this is happening. So I started like searching. And first I, I read Andrew Weil's book. Um, I think it's called Optimal Nutrition. And he said, well, you know, start eating less uh, dairy and meat. Um, if you're having this, it's, it's an eczema, it's an auto, autoimmune response. So this, I had this rash, I want to say on and off for like three years. And I switched to plant-based and it was gone in two days. In wow. two days. And it never came back. So I was like, man, but I'm never going to be able to eat meat again. I just don't know. Like, what about, am I going to lose my muscle? And, uh. I was like, well, let me just, you know, I don't want that rash back. So I'm going to do it for a month and see if I lose any muscle. And all of a sudden, it's like my body fat dropped. Uh, I was performing better in sports. I was sleeping better. I mean, I would have so many times where I eat a heavy meal of meat or something, and I wouldn't sleep. And I just thought, you know, I don't know. I have a sleeping problem. Um, but that never happened again. I didn't get tired in the middle of the day anymore. Um, I was just so much more focused, so much more clear, and I felt great. I was stronger, and so I was like, okay, this works. I'm sold on this. Um, so the China study had happened right before that. Um, my neighbor was reading it. He was like, hey, Carly, you know, um, you should read this book, but I mean, you're really, you're gonna wish you hadn't read it. Like, it's, there's some things in there you're gonna see, man. He's like, and I was like, what could he be talking about? Like, what could, this, what could this be? And then when I read it, I was like, oh my God, this goes against everything I've ever learned. Um, it was such a radical idea. And you know, T. Colin Campbell's like very just methodical, presenting you his facts, like 
this is this, we did this for 27 years. Um, uh, you know, these people get cancer, these people don't. These people get heart disease, these people don't. Diabetics, no. So like every disease you can think of is gone for people that are plant-based, you know? Um, so it was just, it was, it was, it was startling. And I, I remember his name was Jeffrey. I was like, okay, I see why Jeffrey was, why he was saying that about this book. Um, but it was, so I tell people all the time, like, see, if, if you had to read one book, like what is the, the most influential book? Um, and I say, China Study without a doubt, gotta read that book. I mean, that is the Bible of, of health. Um, there's gonna be nothing that matters more in everything you do in life than having your health right, and this book will tell you why. Um, and so that, me, that book and Outliers, are, are my favorite two books that I tell anyone to read. I always have all my trainers read those books before they start. That's awesome. So was it easy for you to eat plant-based in prison? Can you make requests that way? Or what kind of foods were you eating at the beginning? <laughs> so it's not easy. It's not easy. It's actually kind of a funny story. So um, the only way to get um, vegetables is to be like outside of what they serve on the line, which is very like limited, like maybe beans, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's not great food. So you have to be um, either Muslim or Jewish so you can get the common fare. So I was like, okay, and, and I'm not, I hope I'm not offending anyone who's religious, <laughs> but I said, you know what, I think I, I need to become Jewish. So um, I went and I did this interview with the chaplain and I was like, hey, you know, I'm gonna, I, I want to be Jewish um, and I'm interested in that religion and so he kind of was like asking me some questions about you know the Torah and and I was like you know I really I just don't know any of that stuff I, I just want to learn it and for whatever reason he, he allowed me to change my religion which means now I can eat the common fare and I can get vegetables so that was the way that I had to get vegetables so I would take these vegetables to the dorm and I, you know, you had to sneak them out because you know they're giving you raw vegetables, and you're not supposed to take anything out of the cafeteria. But I would take it, and I had a little mackerel can, and I would, you know, cut them up with the top of my mackerel can. And I, that's where I learned to cook. Actually, that's where I learned to cook in the microwave. I would cook all my vegetables together. So it's just like the best story ever. I mean, like the resourcefulness that you have to be like, okay. I got to change my religion so I can get vegetables. <laughs> and then I'm going to take this can to cut my vegetables, cook in the microwave. I mean, that's dedication. So I would discipline, dedication, resourcefulness. That is a lot of great qualities that you have, Carly. You know, it's funny when you say it that way, because at the time I just didn't really, you know, I just, these were my only options. So I, you know, I was like, okay, I, you know, I thought about getting on Common Fair for a good year before I actually did that, I was just thinking about how I was gonna get this done. You know, it seemed like it was impossible. But um, yeah, when you put it that way, it does sound, does sound pretty, it's a pretty crazy story. But I know I have, I have heard that they are changing it for prisons so that prisoners, the inmates can get more plant-based foods. Um, but I also know that a lot of the subsidized foods end up in prisons. So a lot of the cheese and the processed meats and stuff, they get yes. funneled to prisons um, because they have to be bought up. And so exactly. then they get funneled and, to prisons. And they are, are like at the end of their lifespan, like they would not be sold in regular stores. Uh, that was one of the things I noticed, like when I was first there, if I would ever, whenever I would eat the, the ribs, like I would feel bad 
for like two, three days. Mm. And at first I was like, could this really be that? And I ate it again. I was like, all right, oh, I know I'm not eating that anymore. This is before I was plant-based. Um, but the quality of meat was awful. Tons of cheese there too. Um, the, and it, it's, they actually, um, the, what was his name? The guy in charge of all the food. Um, he was like the head CEO of, of, of the cafeteria. He got on the Atkins diet. And so he actually made the Atkins diet a thing for the inmates. So all these guys are like, oh, I can get double meat if I do this, this Atkins. So they're actually doing like keto tests. And I'm like looking at all these guys that they're just poisoning. Mm. <laughs> and they're, all they're eating is meat and pork skins. Mm. I mean, I can't think of a worse I mean, a worse diet to give somebody. But that's actually what they were promoting. And it was like, you know, they all thought they were doing something good and healthy. Um, yeah. And he, he actually believed he was helping these inmates. So I know he had good intentions. But I have heard that some places are actually doing um, more plant-based. Um, I think it's a, lot of, it's a lot of state prisons. They seem to have like a little bit more control mm -hmm. over that. Um, but I mean, what a great way. I mean, I can't, there's so many people that I think could have been like their emotional issues or like these yes. issues that they're having of anger or whatever could be totally fixed if they just were working on a farm and eating fresh vegetables and doing some exercise. Yeah, can you imagine? It seems like of any people, of any population, the people that would probably benefit the most from eating more plant foods our inmates. I mean, we're we're getting in there. We're you know paying our time, trying to improve ourselves so that when we get out, we have a better chance. But instead, you're eating like the worst of the processed food. It sounds like. I mean, that's not helping anything. No, wow. it's 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 unfortunate because it is totally not geared to help people. Um, it is it is housing, um, and it's just like a budget thing, you know, yeah. for the government fill up the prisons you know, pay the whole prison industry and you got to keep them full. And it, it's unfortunate because it's, it's not at all about rehab. Like if you want to, if you want to better yourself, you have to take the control. You have to mm -hmm. take the power to do it. Um, they are not at all trying to help with that in any way. Mm -hmm. And there was only, I would say there was only one person the whole time I was there. Um, she was a psychologist from, uh, she was from uh, some school, I think, in South Carolina when I was there. And she actually is the whole, is the reason I got certified as a trainer. Because she was like, you know, they saw that I was doing this workout thing. And this other doctor um, that, that was an inmate, I helped, I was helping him lose, lose weight. And he said, hey, Mrs., um, I think her name was Mrs. Harris. Mrs. Harris says, you know, you should get certified, Carly, and I think you should do it. I think it'll be good for you. And I had never thought anything about this at all. And it ended up having a big impact on my life. So she actually had um, the test sent in for us so that we could take the test. And then she got a CPR certified where they actually brought someone in from the outside to give, to give us our CPR certification. And that was totally unheard of, totally unheard of. Like they were actually, someone was actually doing something to try to help me. And so but then when I got out, I had the certification um, that allowed me to, and I had all the pictures of all the people I had trained for some reason in my head, I just said, let me take these pictures of these guys before and afters. I don't know why, maybe it'll be good for something someday. And it turned out that my friend, um, had opened the first personal training studio in Gainesville when I got out. Now I wasn't thinking like, oh, he was going to give me a job or anything. I hadn't talked to this guy in years. 
but I happened to see him when I, I was working as a dishwasher in a restaurant. And um, this is my first month out. I saw Josh there and he was like, hey, Carly, it's good to see you, man. I'm glad you're out. Um, you should come check out my gym. So I was like, I'd love to. So I went over there and I showed him my pictures of the people I had trained and, and that I was certified. And he was like, oh, wow, man, uh, that's great. You know, I'm going to talk to my partner and see if we can get you a job here. It wasn't anything I was expecting. Um, it just, I was really just showing him because it's like, oh, this is what you do too. You know, that's what I did. And then that's where I got my first job as a trainer. I couldn't believe it. I was like, people will pay, will pay for this. Um, I, I, I was shocked, but, but it was like, this is what I love. I knew immediately, like, this is what I love. This is what I want to do. Wow, that's awesome. And it sounds like it was a lucky break too, because it wasn't super easy finding a job when you got out. No, I got, I think that I got turned down 14 times, including my mom's um, the Hippodrome, like the theater where I grew up. Um, I grew up and there, I was in all the plays. I, I, you know, that was, that was just where my parents were. So I was there all the time, but I got turned down and for like, for being, um, for working at a cash register. Um, I got turned down working in like a store that had sold health food and supplements. And, um, I, I got turned down for like some sort of woodworking job. Um, I mean, it was like rubber stamp, rubber stamp, rubber stamp, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so finally when I went to Dragonfly and it's like, you know, the halfway house is like, you get a job or you're going back to jail. So there's this pressure to get a job. And, um, I went to this, um, sushi restaurant, Dragonfly. And they're like, yeah, man, you're hired. And I had no <laughs> idea like, wow, these guys are great, you know, but I realized that washing dishes is some seriously, serious hard work. And, um, <laughs> That's why I don't do it. <laughs> use the dishwasher <laughs> so um yeah that's so that's i they didn't care like me and the other guy the other guy had also just gotten out of prison and i was like oh no one wants to do this that's why that's why they just gave me a job doing this oh my goodness it is, it, is, it is difficult to get a job it is difficult i actually um want to start something to help people um that really want to make that really want to change and just haven't had an opportunity like yeah. a support system for them to learn uh, to do an entrepreneur of some sort. I'm actually, um, I'm really thinking about how I'm going to do that. Yeah. Cause it's gotta be hard. You know, you've served your time, you're ready to, to change your life and, and get back into things, but nobody will give you that chance, you know, exactly. and, and that's gotta be really depressing. And for some people that might put them right back to where they were before, because that's what they knew how to do before they went to prison. You know, absolutely. There's no question about that. Um, and I, I just wasn't like, I knew with everything I had done, I just was not going to give up. I did not let it, I did not let it, uh, make me depressed or like lose confidence or lose faith that I could do it. I was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to try it Cause it's going to happen. And a lot of people just don't, don't have the support system to even do something like that. You know, I had a support system of my house. My mom was, you know, took me back to the house and was helped giving me rides places and stuff. And a lot of people don't even have that. Like you have to have some support system to, to, to get your shot. You know, yes. I mean, if you, what if you can't have a phone? Um, these were all things that like, I had the support system that helped me, me do what I, you know, just to get my foot in the door, just give me a chance to get my foot in the door. Mm -hmm. And, and everyone deserves that. Everyone deserves that. 
Yeah. So I, 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 that is on my list of things I want to accomplish is to start something to help people just get out of prison that really do want to make a change. I love it. That's such a great vision. So you ended up working as a trainer for your friend, but then eventually you started your own gym. So tell me about that journey. So um, when I started there at, at Alter Ego, um, right away, uh, I got this one client who was sort of interested. He was like, he, he had, I told him about reading the China study and he had these great results. I mean, he had a huge belly and he looked awesome very quickly um, with working out and, and eating plant-based. And so everyone in his neighborhood saw him and said, hey, I wanna train with the guy that, that, that Nick is training with. So all these people started coming in and asking to train with me. So I was like, I mean, I, I was so loaded, my schedule. I was working like 13 hours. Anyone that has trained or like, well, 13 hours of anything, everyone knows it's a long time. But I mean, it would be dark when I get up and it was dark when I got home. But I loved what I was doing and I, and I was motivated to do something bigger. And I was there for three and a half years. I did not like that there was so much confusion about nutrition mm -hmm. there. And I didn't feel good about what some of the other trainers were like. I mean, they were great guys, but they just, I just didn't feel like they were helping people. I mean, I knew they weren't helping people. I knew they were not teaching people to eat the right thing. And I was like, man, if I, if I had my own place, I, would, I wouldn't allow this, you know? I, I would want it to be um, what is really gonna help people, what they came here for. So at the end of three and a half years, um, meanwhile, in that time, I was learning everything. I learned like how they, how they did contracts, how they did you know, sales, advertising, what was working, what wasn't working. So then three and a half years in, Josh said he wanted to sell this place and um and i didn't have the money to buy it at, uh at the price he wanted but it gave me like i was very loyal to josh he's in the first movie he's actually in the first movie and i just that was why i didn't want to leave because people were saying oh you need to start your own place man you've got this great thing going you need to start your own place and i was like i just can't josh gave me this opportunity i don't want to leave him and he gave me the freedom to, to move on to start my own place, which was extremely nerve-wracking and scary, by the way. And now for a very important message. Hey mama, if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, 
troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters, overeating, and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater, and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now back to the episode. It was another one of those moments of like when I first got in solitary, when I looked in the, in the mirror, even my mom who always believed in everything I did. And she was like, Harley, I don't know. The economy's bad. It was like 2007. I don't think people are going to want to spend money on training. And I just looked at myself in the mirror again. I was like, do you believe in yourself or do you not? You believe in yourself. You need to do this. So I took all the money I'd saved and I leased the place. And I, I, me and my dad, would, I was going to train during the day. And then at night I was hammering nails, painting with my dad, putting flooring in. Um, so by the time I finally, and I actually didn't have enough money. So I was using money. I was making money and using it. So by the time we opened our doors, I had $0 in my account. I remember oh, no. that very, very clearly. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, now I have this $5,000 lease. Uh, we got to do this. So I would, I, uh, after the second month, I was profitable every month after that. Wow. I was fortunate enough to have a huge clientele that followed me. Um, and then I was like, okay, I can get more trainers to work for me. So I was getting trainers, um, teaching them about plant-based and my, and my style of exercise. And now I have eight trainers that work for me um, 13 years later. And it's, and it's awesome. It's awesome. It is, it is, it is my, my dream job. Wow, what a story. That is just such a beautiful story and so amazing that you had that. And it does. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm I have my own business and it does take a lot of courage to do it, you know, because I think most people will tell you not to. Because, yes. you know, they 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 want to keep you safe and it's always a risk, right? You never know how it's going to go, so you really do have to have that courage to jump out there. So from the beginning in your place you kind of alluded to that you have a policy that your trainers, do they all teach plant-based or how, how do they talk about nutrition at your place? So um, I, when everyone starts, I say that I want, I want you to watch this movie. So they watch my films, um, they read the China study and I'm, I say, I want you to make your mind up for yourself. I'm not, I'm not forcing you to do anything. I just want you to read this information and then tell me what you think. Um, now, if you, if you do decide you want to go this route, then I, I, would, I do start them a little bit higher in the pay scale. Um, because I just said, I'll be honest with you, I've been doing this you know, 20 years and this is what works. If you want people to get results and you want people to come back to you and their friends to come sign up, I've done it all, this is what works. And I've done it in these films here, so you can see it for yourself. So I would say that 80% uh, of my trainers are plant-based. I, um, I have one trainer who is a bodybuilder who's been with me since 2010. And he's a good friend of mine. 
He is whole foods, but he does eat meat and dairy. We have, I've gone through different phases with that where I was like, I don't want this here. But I mean, the guy is so loyal. He's such a, he's a good friend of mine. And I, and, and we just respect, we respect our, each other's, uh, each other's viewpoints, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I was like, I need to have some flexibility in that area. You know, maybe someday he'll come around. Uh, so if anyone's like, I am not doing plant-based no matter what, then they can go with him. But he does still teach whole foods, like mm -hmm. lots of fruits and vegetables, but he just, he believes the protein equals meat. Um, so that's where we, we differ in that area. But the majority <laughs> of my trainers are plant-based, yes. So cool that you, you're able to have a place like that. I mean, that's really, really fun. I'm actually uh, building, uh, the new building's supposed to be ready in um, two months, in, in July. So my facility, like the, the one I'm in now, I'm leasing it. And so it's not exactly like how I would perfectly want it. So the new one is going to be exactly how I perfectly want it and have envisioned it. And I'm going to have like a smoothie bar there. I'm just so, it's going to be so awesome. I'm so excited about it. Hey, my ears perked up at smoothie bar. So I'll, <laughs> I'll do fun. any workout if I get a smoothie afterwards. <laughs> Absolutely. We're very bored. I love it. So what would you say you're most passionate about now? Most passionate is, it's still plant-based and exercise. I mean, that just, that just comes into every area of your life, you know, every area of your life. Because I think that, you know, you have to, if you want to enjoy life to the maximum, you have to be feeling good. You have to be feeling good. You have to be thinking clearly. You have to sleep well. Um, and you, you honestly, you just can't, you can't reach your optimum health if, if you're not eating plant-based and doing exercise. So that's number one for me. Outside of that, um, I'm really, actually, I've really gotten these creative projects. So I love doing the films. And um, if you watch the evolution of the films, you can see how much better I became at filmmaking. Like when I first started, first, first started uh, doing the film, like I had no idea how to do any of that. I just was whipping out a camcorder and I was like, I'll figure out how to edit this later. And you know, one year later I was like, okay, it's time to edit now. So I spent like, I must've spent like nine months trying to learn that program, Final Cut. Um, but then I learned that like, oh, you have to do music. Oh, you have to do the sound. Oh, lighting matters. Oh, you can't have this camera shaking around. So um, <laughs> the first one was good though, because it was just so spectacular. Every time I look at it, I'm just like, wow, I can't believe we did that. I can't believe we did that. Yeah, I mean, it still, it still amazes me um, when I, and I also cringe at like, oh man, you really didn't know what you were doing when you did that. But then after that, I really got into like all the different parts of the, the creative outlet because there's so many different facets, you know, that you have to know. And so then the last one, I started doing my own music because well, actually I did my own music for the majority, but I, I would do like these songs that were like more involved. Mm. Um, so I did in the last one, I did two songs, like one that was in Spanish, a, ra a reggaeton, reggaeton song, and then one that, that um, was in English rap because that's when he, um, he came to the United States. Did you know I had unsupersized me in Cuba? Did you know no, I, I didn't see that one. How do you access that one? Because I accessed the other two from the Amazon. It's on Amazon also. Okay, I'll have to look for that one because I only saw the first two. Yeah, that one was, I actually went and filmed that in Cuba. So the whole point of that one was I wanted to show people that like, you can have like no resources mm. um, and you can still do this. There's no reason if this man in Cuba who has nothing and can't afford to go to a gym, 
can, can make this happen, then you, everyone can do it. So, I mean, it was like, I, I had him there for like six months. I was filming him while we were in Cuba and his dream was to, um, to come to the United States. And he had actually tried 11 times and, um, failed like Coast Guard, Cuban Coast Guard, and then American Coast Guard, um, five times, four times, and then two times the motor didn't work. And I was like, I don't know how this movie is going to help you get to the United States, but it's going to help you somehow. I, I just, I know it. I know it's going to help you get there. And so after we did the whole movie thing, he, he saved up enough money to pay someone so he could get a visa to go to Mexico. And so in Mexico, he called me and said, hey, Carly, I'm going gonna, um, gonna to cross the border if you'll vouch for me. And I was like, absolutely, man. So I talked to ICE and I you know, sent all my paperwork in and stuff. And after three months of, of being locked up in that jail there, they let him, uh, he called me, he's like, I'm at an airport in, in Latuna. I don't know where I am. <laughs> I was like, all right, dude, hold on, let me get you a plane ticket. So I got him and he came and lived with me for two years. And now he's, he's got his, uh, his papers finally. And, um, you know, he's working here and he, and he loves it. It was, and I, that I was not planning on being in the film. It just, I was like, you know what? I should go ahead and, and put this into, because it's interesting and it wow. affects a lot of people. So that was the second part of the film was, you know, his life in the United States and, uh, and you know, how it changed um, and what that was like for him to, to come to cross the border and come here. Wow. Super cool. Yeah. Definitely want to watch that. That sounds like a really fun story. The main character from the first movie, I can't remember her name. I know that she ended up moving Tracy. from Florida. Yeah. Tracy, yeah. does she, do you still keep in touch? Is she still eating a plant-based diet? Um, I, I do not keep in touch with Tracy. She ended up, um, she ended up getting a boyfriend, which was really something I really wanted for her, you know, because I, I, I went through the whole thing with her where she, you know, she was 345 pounds and, and it's just hard to find someone when you're that size, let's be honest. So at the end, you know, she lost 200 pounds and she met this guy um, and you know, they seem like they're really in love and I was so happy for her. So she moved away with him. Um, now I guess <laughs> I wish I could have like, <laughs> like, uh, I don't know, doesn't sort of screening, but so the guy is like a, um, wings and beer and, and oh, no. pizza, football. Um, and Tracy, she just wanted someone to love her, you know? Yeah. And she just, uh, wasn't strong enough to, to, to say like, I don't want to do this, you know, basically. So she got so deeply involved with him that, um, you know, we were really close for a long time and I wish that, uh, I wish that she could find her way back because I know that she can, you know, she has the ability to do that. I mean, she was of all the people that I've trained and worked with, she was the best. I yeah. mean, she followed everything to a T. She worked so hard. She did everything right. And, um, you know, she deserves, she deserves to have that. She deserves to have that back. So yeah. Oh, you're listening, Tracy. I know you can do it. <laughs> Give me a call. Wow. Well, maybe if you do it again with another person, the last phase can be a like whole food plant-based speed dating set, you know, section. <laughs> set it up with That's another person. <laughs> so they talk about like, you know, there should be some sort of vegan dating app or something like that, but it'll be like the whole food plant-based, you know, version of that. So. Yes. I think that would actually be good because I hear a lot of people say that, especially for um, girls that are plant-based have a really hard time 
finding guys um, because it's an important thing, you know, it's yeah. an important thing. Well, and especially uh, when it's this central to your life and your identity, I think, you know, and, and there's not that many people. There's definitely clusters of people, different places, but depending on where you live, it might be harder to find. Yeah. Well, what do you wish more people knew? Uh, I wish more people, I mean, I'm gonna get to some other stuff, but I'm plant-based. <laughs> I, I, it just is so, um, it's so difficult to, to see people so confused about what good nutrition is. Um, mainstream media just, you know, and the bottom line is, is just there's not money in it for them to, to, to propagate that. You, I wish that more people knew about plant-based because that's why I did the films, because I just wanted people just to know just to know. And I've seen the effect it's had on so many people. They're like, oh wow, I can do this. And I think if everyone is eating plant-based and exercising, everyone's just happier. Everyone is happier and the world would be a better place. So I honestly just wish more people knew the truth about what good nutrition is. I love it, amen. And tell me <laughs> what personal habit are you most proud of and why? Um, I would say, just I don't give up I don't give up um, I have learned to be really bad at something and just continue and know that if I keep on this path I'm gonna conquer this thing um, and I think everyone has that has that in them they just people aren't comfortable being bad at something mm -hmm. in the beginning, you know um, that you can really I really do believe that you can learn and do anything you want to um, and I've done that over and over and over again with some very challenging subjects. Um, so that's what I'm most proud of. I love it. No, I am one of those people. I am such a perfectionist and I am so type A that I hate being bad at something. And recently I've, oh, actually I should tell you this. So when I was watching the first documentary, you know how you were having Tracy try different things. And in, yes. in one of the things that you had her try was tennis and she had never played tennis before and you got her a coach. And when I saw that, I suddenly got a craving to learn how to play tennis. And I don't like games cause I'm, I get bored and okay. I just, say, I just get bored of games. I'm not a game person, but it seems really fun all of a sudden. I was like, you know, maybe I should learn tennis too. There's a lot of people, a lot of my friends play tennis. So I told my husband, I was like, you know what? I think I might learn tennis. And he got excited because he likes tennis. He loved my, all of my family, my kids and my husband all like sports and games and I don't like games. And so I told him and he was like, you know, tennis is good, but why don't you learn pickleball? So pickleball originated here in the Pacific Northwest. So, and I live in Washington state. I just state. started learning that way. I just gotta say. That's just so cool. So I was like, okay, but I don't want you to teach me because every time he tries to teach me something, I end up crying. So I, I called the next day and I got myself a lesson and I took my first pickleball lesson, but it is hard. Like I have to, I have to give myself a lot of self-talk because I hate not being able to do it right away, you know? And I, and there's probably a part of me that's very competitive and I just wanna win right away, which is not gonna happen. <laughs> so I feel like I'm not doing good if I'm not winning. So I've taken my first lesson, I played one game with my family and then I'm hoping to go back and take some more lessons and learn. But I wanna thank you because your film inspired me to try something new and challenge myself 
even though I'm not going to be good at it for maybe a very long time. Wow. Well, I, I'm so happy to hear that. I, I, no one has ever told me they've been inspired to play tennis from that film. I, I've heard, <laughs> heard plant-based exercise, but never tennis. That's awesome. So I used to be just like you. I totally relate to that. Um, for me, it was so difficult to not be good at something that I'd be like, oh, that's stupid. I don't want to do that. No, nah, it's, you know, it's, not, it's a waste of time. And so actually when I, when I went into prison, they first like, they have like the, uh, the race games and they were like, so the white guys grabbed me and they're like, all right, we want you on the team. You know, it's like you have the, the white team, the black team, the, uh, the Spanish team. It's not politically correct at all. And so they're like, oh, this guy's a good athlete. Let's throw him in softball. I had never played a lot of softball. I'd deal in a little bit, but I thought, no, I'll, I'll be okay. And I immediately proceeded to just get burned for a grand slam. They put me out in, in, in the outfield. And from tennis, you always charge forward, you know? That's, you're going, you're going in. And so I immediately ran in thinking I was gonna make this great play. And it just burned me. And I was like, oh, you know, this game, whatever, this game's stupid. And so finally, <laughs> after a couple of years, and this by this time I had learned, you know, a few languages, I learned guitar. Um, I went back and I was, they were like, hey, do you wanna play softball? So I started in the C League. And I sucked. And, um, and eventually I got good. I learned, I accepted that it, it, it's okay to not be good. And I am going to get better. Um, and that was one of the greatest lessons I ever learned because I became comfortable with being bad at something, you know, and knowing that you are going to get better. Your brain's going to, the brain is amazing. It's going to learn, it's going to adjust, and you're going to get better. You're going to be the best you can be if you stick to it. Doesn't mean you're going to be the best in the world, but you're going to be the best you can be. So that, I, I applaud you, stay on it because it, it's, it's life-changing. It's life-changing yes. once you learn to be bad at something. It's hard when you're type A and you're just doing yeah. stuff. I yeah, and you know, for each of us, there's certain things that we're more uncomfortable with. And, and I try to tell myself, discomfort is the catalyst for change. You know, we cannot change, we cannot improve without discomfort, it's impossible. But there's some areas of my life that I'm willing to be uncomfortable and sports and games is not one of them. So I, I like literally have to tell myself that it's gonna get better, it's gonna get better. It's like my mantra, don't worry, you're gonna get better. <laughs> so I'll report back to you in a year when I become the pickleball champion. <laughs> no, I, I'm gonna see, maybe we can play mixed doubles because I'm just learning too. And I love pickleball, it is so much fun. Yeah. Um, we'll have to go out and play a tournament. We'll go dominate the Texas. Let's uh, do it, let's do it. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Carly, this has been so awesome. I love your story. So thank you for being so gracious and coming on my show. I hope that someday you will go on the motivational speaking circuit and motivate so many people and so many young people with your story and everything that you've learned in your life. So uh, thank you. I appreciate you for that. Thank but, you so much. It's been a pleasure to be on your show and yeah. I, I've enjoyed it. I, I, you know, I love talking about that stuff and it's, um, it, it's just, uh, I, I'm so happy that we're able to like help spread this message. You know, yes. I love the support of the plant-based community. You know, all so we great. want is people to be healthy. That's yes. all we want. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and hopefully more people can find you. So tell us where we can connect with you and tell me about products and services you offer. I thought I saw that maybe you also do some virtual training for people that don't live in yes. Florida. So tell me about yes, that. I do. So um, uh, I have, well, I have the, the book. Um, I have a, like a kitchen starter guide, just like basic stuff to get. Then I have all my favorite recipes for like a 10 year period, different uh, from different countries all over the world. And then I have a course that I put together. I'm like, 
I need to make something because people always say, hey, I want more after they see the film. How can I do this? So I basically summed up the program I did with Tracy um, in that one hour class. Now the online coaching I do where I have a face to face with them. So it's, it's month to month. And I always tell people my goal is to, to help you within one or two months so that you can do this on your own. You, you don't need me forever for this. Um, so I teach them exactly like, how do I do plant-based? How do I go to the store? How can I eat out? Um, and then I also design a workout program for them because a lot of people just, just don't know what to do. And there is a really way to make it efficient and to get the most out of your time in this busy world. So based on what their injuries are, their schedule, so I make them a personalized workout plan. And then they have to text me every day after they do it. So there's accountability. Like nice. every day I want to see a text from you telling me about your workout. Um, because, you know, who are you lying to? You're, you're, are you going to lie to yourself? You know, I mean, like you, you need that people will do it when they have that texting. So that was one of my favorite things that I put in that, in that program. And so I meet with them twice face to face, like every two weeks, every two weeks we do a face to face meeting and I get to, you know, help measure their progress and, and really just watch like their lives change to being so much happier and feeling so much better. Um, and it, it's, it's one of my favorite things to see. I love it. And how can people access all of your information? Um, it's all on unsupersizeme.com. If you go to the, the um, uh, products page, they have, you know, all the stuff that I just listed. Um, and they can access any of it. Or they can just email me. Okay. Carly's in the Gmail. So we'll put everything in the show notes. And how about on socials? Are you active on any of the social media? Um, I am not super social media active, but I do have, I will check it. So I have um, my own personal Facebook and Instagram, and then I have um, Unsupersize Me. It's just so many things to keep up with. Yeah, I get you. I have you. Unsupersize Me Facebook and Instagram. You know how it is. Oh, I got to make another post. Um, so I, I try not to get too sucked into the Facebook world or the uh, social media world, but you can get in touch with me there. And then I have the YouTube channel, um, Carly Ase, which I also have all my music videos. I forgot to tell you, that's something I'm really passionate about. I've been making these music videos for my, um, my songs and it's so much fun to do. Uh, I do it with my, with my brother and one of my friends. So I've been putting that on my YouTube too, if you want to see some. Cool. Some, well, uh, we'll definitely link that. That would be fun to watch. songs or, or, you know, motivational songs. Nice. Well, and if you have reggaeton, I love reggaeton. So it's always Okay, fun. I'm going to send you the reggaeton. You have to tell me what you think. Where are you from? Panama. Panama, okay. Yep. So yes, we definitely have the reggaeton in Panama there. So, and, and you, know, you know I'm half Cuban, right? No, I didn't know that. See, soy cubano. Que bien, que bien. <laughs> I actually have a podcast uh, episode with a Cuban American who went plant-based and created a cookbook of Cuban foods that are plant-based. And so, oh, I love yeah, that. super I fun. That. I'll Send give you, the, yeah, uh, I'll give you the information afterwards. Okay, so. What's his name? Uh, it's up here somewhere. It's Raivel Hernandez, I think. <laughs> Okay. Um, I can't remember the last name, but it's in my bookshelf, so I'll get it. I'll get it after we're done recording. Okay. Awesome. So the last thing is to leave us with one call to action for the week. What is one thing that my listeners can do this week to improve their lives? Um, my favorite thing, and people ask that all the time, like, what's the you know the best thing? I think 
wealth. Number one, I'm gonna say eat more plants. Eat more plants, more fruits and vegetables. But if you wanna narrow it down to one thing that I've seen does so many good things for your health is turmeric. I try to eat turmeric like two to three times a day. I have noticed just like I recover quicker, less inflammation, um, never get sick. Um, I mean, you never get sick when you're plant-based anyway, but it's just, it, I really can feel when I'm eating turmeric, uh, all the health benefits. You just feel generally better. Cool. Yeah. And how much um, do you take whenever one, you take it? Oh, um, I usually just cut off a little piece. Um, oh, so fresh turmeric, like a, fresh turmeric you know. root. Yeah. But I mean, the powder works too. I just, I like to do everything, you know, fresh if I can, but certainly you can get good powder turmeric also. And I would take like two capsules, like if I dry it and um, crush it up, then I would say like two capsules, like two or three times a day, whenever you're eating a meal. Cool. With a little bit of black pepper in there. Dr. Greger told me that. Yeah, to add with the black pepper. Yeah. Awesome, okay, that's definitely a suggestion, a call to action that I have not had before, so I'm happy to share <laughs> that one for sure. Okay, well, Carly, this has been so, 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 so awesome. I cannot wait so when we become um, pickleball champions of the yes. world together. Uh, so right. keep on doing all the great work that you're doing, and I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you letting me on the show. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.